Welcome to more than a few words of marketing conversation for small business owners. MTFW is a production of Roundpeg, where we help small businesses become big businesses. This is Lorraine Ball, and I'm back. But listening to the broadcast over the last couple of weeks, I think, Allison, you did a great job while I was gone. Thank you. I'm glad to be back in the quiet chair today. <laughs> so we're talking about cats, so I'm not ha sure how quiet you're going to be. I am a subject matter expert, yes. <laughs> Cloud <Clout> says so. <laughs> and, yes, we are going to be talking about cats and puppies and the Internet because those things are firmly intertwined. But we're really going to be talking about them from a business perspective and from someone who is actually in the business of cats and puppies. Dr. Greg Magnuson of Leo's Pet Care is our guest today. Good morning, Dr. Greg. Good morning. Thanks for having me. We are so excited that you're here. Um, for those of you that don't know, Leo's Pet Care is the official veterinarian of Rampeg, and both uh, Clyde and Truman are happy to see you this morning. Yeah, I don't, I don't uh, see them around here, so they must know that I'm coming. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so this morning, why don't we start off? Why don't you talk a little bit about your veterinary practice to begin with and then why you started getting involved with social media. With social media, yeah. we are. Um, I was a veterinarian for 10 years before starting Leo's Pet Care two years ago. We just celebrated our second anniversary. Happy anniversary. Thank you. And... Um, when I started the practice, it had no clients. Many veterinarians will buy the practice of an old retiring practitioner and take over his client base. Um, and I actually looked for a practice like that for several years, but um, because of the economy and the way things were going, uh, many veterinarians are left working a lot longer than they had intended to work, or they're depending more on a higher sales price for the practice than perhaps the market can stand, so, so there were no practices for sale. So I had to start one from scratch with, with no clients and uh, a loan of some money and no idea how to either run a practice or advertise it. <clears throat> so social media was, was not necessarily a choice that I made. It was more like my doors are open, I've got people, I've got supplies, I just don't have any business. So mm -hmm. So what can I do for free and yet stay close to the building in case someone comes in here that will allow me to connect with and, and join some new people? Of course, I only knew about Facebook from my own personal page. Um, I, I had some idea that there were business pages, but, but uh, personally it was all I had exposure to. It certainly nothing with Twitter. Uh, my first experience with Twitter was, was a failure, like I think most people's first experience is. Why, why do you say that your first experience with Twitter was a failure? Well, you know, because the thing with, with Twitter is, is you, have to, um, you have to follow people and have them follow you back before you can have a conversation. You can't just join into a stream that's already there and throw your voice in. Uh, it, you know, you have to have to agree on a one-on-one -on -one basis that yes, I want to talk to you and you want to talk to me back. So when I first joined on Twitter, I was given a list of some generic, uh, you know, follow the American Veterinary Association and follow the the, the local um, uh, chamber of commerce and all this. And and um, those are those are fine, but the real conversations happen one-on-one. -on -one. They don't. Uh, Twitter is not. Um, I mean, it's a great place to find news from these outlets, but it's primarily a place to talk with people in different industries. 
So I got on there, I followed 10 or 15 people, they didn't follow me back, I threw a couple of tweets out there, nothing happened, and then I just kind of lost interest. Um, it, it was actually, uh, I, I got connected with um, Leah Beatty, who is an, a, a local um, social media professional. And um, Good morning, so, Leah, if you're listening. Good morning, Leah, hi. And, um, and Leah pretty much, um, you know, sat me down and said, this is what Twitter's about, and here's how you find some new people. It, you know, God gave me sort of the instruction book that should probably come on the front page of Twitter. <laughs> um, but, it, but it really doesn't. You know, it's, it's um, I think what would probably be helpful is to see another person's stream and how they're connecting with people that they're um, following mutually. I think, and I think that's really good advice for anybody who wants to get started on Twitter is go follow. I, I tell people to stalk their competitors and not necessarily make the assumption that their competitors are doing it right, but at least get a sense of what's out there. And, and not only competitors, but um, what I've found best about Twitter is people in totally unrelated industries are the ones that I'm following and that are teaching me. You know, um, veterinarians are so new to social media that there aren't a lot of veterinary hospitals that are doing it right. Mm -hmm. But you know, especially in Indianapolis, boy, there are social media people and PR people and all of these great professionals that are using these tools themselves to connect and promote their own business, that if you follow what they're doing and, and um, follow their examples, then you'll see how they're talking and how they're listening. Uh, and that's really the skill that, that Twitter is teaching me about social media is there are so many people doing it right in varying industries that you just have to follow some of them and listen for a long time before you know what to say or who to say it to. Uh, you know, find people who are doing it right and watch them, follow follow them. Um, it, you know, in my opinion, following your competitors, they're probably not doing as good a job as you'll do anyway. So. <laughs> So follow the pros who are doing it right, like mm -hmm. Brown Peg. Well, thank you. And um, see what they're doing, and then try to mimic that to your own unique audience. Awesome. And so um, just kind of a quick reminder for those of you that are listening, um, if you want to join the conversation on Twitter this morning, be sure to use the hashtag pound, MTFW. Allison is already typing away. Um, big conversations about cats and, and Twitter always. You can also call in if you have a question at 805-285-9865. So let's get back to Twitter a little bit because now you are pretty active on Twitter. I mean, I do follow you. What kinds of things do you like to routinely share on Twitter? What seems to get engagement? You know, Twitter is, is, um, is a place where I have met a lot of friends in town. Um, and some of them I've met in person, a lot of them I haven't, but that doesn't really matter to the friendship, that we're contributing to each other's business, that we're contributing to to our lives. Um, and I don't, again, there's no rule book for how these things are supposed to operate. So, you know, I will tweet, certainly if I write a blog post about a medical issue, I'll tweet that, or if I post a picture somewhere of some cute cat, then I'll certainly tweet that. But I'm also tweeting um, personal things that tell people what kind of a person I am and therefore 
when you bring your pet to me, you're bringing it not just to a veterinarian with such and such reputation, but a guy who likes to grill steaks on Friday nights and, you know, likes to go to some of these little social media things or whatever. You know, uh, it's hard to do business with, uh, with a company. It's easier to do business with a person. And I think that's um, probably across the board with social media. I think the thing that I tell people is that it humanizes your business. Right. You go from being um, a brand to either a person or a series of people. But I want to kind of break down and, and talk about those three areas that you talked about. Um, the first one is, is the blog post, because I think this is something that you've done really well, that you use your blog to answer the questions that patients and prospective patients have. Um, the, the, blog, uh, the blog was was born of uh, a deal that I ended up making with the local newspaper to write articles for them every two weeks as an advertisement for the for the new practice. And I was not I was not much of a writer prior to that. I certainly had no experience writing about veterinary issues. But when you're forced when you force yourself mm -hmm. to write something because you have a deadline because somebody is expecting to publish your work or you you know you get on there and you write something valuable and it, it, the blog is nothing new it's not new subject it's about the things that I talk about every day with my clients so sometimes there'll be a new product that comes out that I talk about other times it's a medical condition someone wants to know about most of the time when I blog it's about questions that I answer every day you know my dog has an ear infection so rather than just having that conversation one-on-one -on -one with a client and repeating those same words over and over and over again, if I write it down once, then when someone asks me again, then I can come back and say, well, just go ahead and read this post that I wrote. Here's 800 words about that exact topic. We actually had that come up recently between the two of us. Uh, I had mentioned your work to a friend of mine, Kit Wessendorf, and he had a question about kitten earmuffs. And the next day, you had a post up there telling you, <coughs> Disgustingly gruesome detail, everything you could possibly want to know about kitten earmuffs. Well, well, the disgustingly gruesome detail attracts attention. It does. <laughs> and and um, those are those are some of the posts that people like like best. But absolutely, you know, if, if a client is going to feed you a topic, you darn well better jump on that and start writing about it because not only are you going to connect with that client, but obviously other people have those same questions too. And we had that same uh, experience. Um, uh, those of you, again, who follow Roundpeg know that we had a kitten, um, maybe, um, and uh, she was suffering from kidney disease. And the blog post that you wrote about that, I mean, that was really helpful for me as we were going through this process to understand what we were dealing with, what our options were. And um, I'm pretty sure that there were lots of other people that then turned around and read that same post. Yeah, and what I'm, you know, the other thing that there's there's a rule of thumb that somebody wrote about how if you if you tell a client ten things in the exam room, they'll remember three of them and mm -hmm. act on one of them. But if you write this stuff down and someone has a place to go when they say, boy, I remember Dr. Magnuson said something about that kidney food or that supplement or something. Where did I, where did I, what did he say about that? And you go back to the source of who wrote that, and maybe the second time you read that same post, you catch something that you missed the first time, or 
it, it, it frames the whole illness in, in, a different, in a different light so that you can understand the, how comprehensive you know, the approach to the problem is. And I think that ratio, that, that sort of 10-3-1, is not just limited to medical professions. My guess is that there's, there's, I mean, I'm pretty sure that we experience that with clients in our business, that we tell them 10 things. Um, when I do a presentation on social media or email marketing, I know the vast majority of what I said sort of resonates as a general impression, but not things people are going to act on, which is why we put our presentations on SlideShare or we, we record our conversations. So I think that ability to go back and forth uh, is, is really valuable. We have a question from Carolyn Hoy Myers over at Autonomy Media. Good morning, Caroline. She wants to know what kind of response you've seen from other vets in response to some of your digital work. I know before we got on air, you mentioned a LinkedIn group you're connected with. Yeah, I, we have um, I, we have a LinkedIn group that started by uh, a veterinarian in Australia trying to market his practice, and they got connected with some veterinarians and marketers in England, and now we're all kind of talking to each other about all these different ideas. Uh, I also did a very brief talk for local veterinarians um, through one of our organizations, and we're we're all really interested in social media. You know, vets are, are busy people, and this business of how to run your practice is is hard enough without knowing how to how to advertise it. But there's really no education out there for small business people how you're supposed to advertise something. What happens is. You know, the first three months that I was open and I didn't have any, any clients, uh, about every five minutes, some salesman would come in and say, well, you need to put a, a piece of paper on the pizza box, or you need to have a door hanger, you need to have a, you know, a valve pack, you need to have a Yellow Pages ad. And, and of course, I bought a lot of those things because I didn't know any better, and none of them are effective. And that's probably why the salespeople have to come and push these things so hard is just because they know they don't work, so they've got to sell them. Social media, though, is is effective for my business. You know, it, it brings people into the conversation, and if you get someone into the conversation and then they have a question come up about their own life, well, then they're going to direct that question to you. You know, what you're talking about I don't think is limited necessarily to that. I think uh, small dental practices, um, optometry, I think lots of specialty medical practices where you have a doctor, a small office staff, and not enough time in any given day. I think I think I think that's a common yeah. challenge across the you board. You know, even in, in my own life, I, I met a, a dentist who, who ended up cleaning my teeth. But the point is that when, when he found out that I was doing social media, he wants to jump on and do some of it himself. The the key thing to me though is wouldn't it be nice if we knew a dentist personally, and then if I had a question, I asked that guy. What if I knew a physician that I could ask questions whenever? You know, I think most people have the desire to form a circle of, of trusted professionals around themselves, not in their own industry, but in all these other industries, mm -hmm. to ask questions and, and bounce ideas off of that aren't competitors, mm -hmm. but maybe doing the same sorts of things, the same sorts of goals. So the veterinarians that I talk to, they all have the same goal of building their practice, not competing with me, but, mm -hmm. but doing the same, you know, elevating the profession, connecting with new people. You know, on Twitter, you, 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 meet, you meet all these different people in all these different professions, and 
the more you talk with them and, and get them into your into your circle, then you know there it's a valuable resource if you do have a problem or a question. You know, um, when I started Roundpack ten years ago, and I was doing a lot of networking for a similar reason that you first got involved with social media, I had a lot of time and not a lot of clients, and um, I went to a lot of networking events, talked to a lot of business owners. Um, as the business matures, it gets harder to get out face-to-face. It is, for me, um, I think it's nice that I can still jump on Twitter at the beginning of my day before I get involved in anything else. And I think that, um, but that, that idea of having a power circle, of having people with complementary businesses that we can talk about what's going on, I think it's, it's very valuable. You know, I used to participate in some of those little marketing groups, but the issue is if you're not at a meeting, then you can't talk to all ten of the people in the group. You know, you, you get to meet once a week or once a month or whatever, but what do you do in the meantime? You know, mm-hmm. if you need to refer something to someone, if you don't have your card handy or whatever, you know, just like you say, you jump on Twitter, you jump on LinkedIn or whatever, and you connect with all of your people every day. You know, they may not all be there at the same time, but but um, it's sort of like having that in-person marketing group meeting on all the time. Yes, and um, and I've noticed with Twitter there is there's a rhythm. Um, different people get on at different times during the day. My community, and partially just that's where I play, and I've built that conversation community, is on early in the morning, and you know you'll see a spike late afternoon, and so. You can participate in the conversations um, even if you only jump on certain times during the day. Right. You know, and I've got a thing on my blog that's retweeting old posts, and, and I'll have all kinds of people jump on it. You know, I put something that it automatically puts on at 4 in the afternoon or something, and somebody retweets it or asks a question about that. It's, it's just you can, you can set things up so that it's, it's constant contact as long as you're not overwhelming or flooding someone with, with information. Yeah, and I think, and we do that both with tweeting old posts and then um, scheduling just some shares or even scheduling questions that start conversations. Yep, you know, and a lot of tweets get ignored by the majority of your followers, and that's fine. Uh, If something happens to go in someone's stream that they want to comment on or or whatever, then, and that catches your attention, then, you know, Twitter will often start a conversation when you're not necessarily prepared for it, but... Mm -hmm. But, you know, but if someone throws something out at you and, you know, it's just the same, you jump on that because, you know, it's a, it's a potential client and a question, you get on it, you know. The other thing that you put in your stream that probably gets almost as much conversation as the um, gross medical facts are your wonderful, cute cats. Yeah, you know, I I try to minimize the gross stuff, believe it or not. There, there, there are only... I think only anal glands and ear mites have the have the uh, the best gross stuff. <laughs> but cute definitely uh, that um, honey definitely attracts more flies. Um, the the point of the cute cat and dog pictures is to remind clients that I understand that's why we all have pets. We don't have pets so that we can treat ear infections and treat kidney disease and and pet bones and all this. You know, we have we have pets in our lives to bring us joy. And if you have a professional that understands that joy and, and shares it, um, I think that 
build the confidence with the client in the practitioner that the client understands, you know, the practitioner understands why you're there in the first place. If there are veterinarians that enjoy gross or enjoy um, surgery or don't enjoy talking to people, and I think sometimes they miss the whole point of the relationship with the pet owner and the pet. So if I put a cute cat picture out there somewhere and, and someone likes cats, then they'll say, hey, that guy likes cats too. Mm-hmm. Maybe I should ask him if I have a problem. And it it is um uh it is that 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 it, that what you said about the idea that um, we have pets in our lives because they bring us joy. That I think is fundamental with pet owners. They understand that. And finding a veterinarian that starts there and then I mean we'll accept that, that veterinary practices is a business, right. but we want somebody that's going to love our pets the way we love our pets. Right. You know, and that, that's, I would imagine that's the same in any industry. You know, if I look at your, your stream or, or a social media professional stream, you remind people that the point is to start conversations and build relationships. And then you talk about details, you talk about how to, and how to act on a particular point. And then you come back to, but here's why we're doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, we're doing it to establish relationships. And you can go on to LinkedIn and you do this little tweak. But here's why. And you go back and forth and and constantly remind people that you understand why you're doing what you're doing and then go into details and then come back to it. And then also simply share um, bizarre comments like Jenna's today about I'm looking for brand logos, which is vaguely like shopping. And for people that know us and, and have followed us, they know immediately that's Jenna talking because the word shopping appeared in the tweet. <laughs> Um, and you know they I think people come to expect certain things if you are consistent would would you do do you think that people kind of now have a sense of or anticipate what you're going to talk about you know and and what even further to that there are probably people who specifically look forward to Jenna's tweets because she talks about shopping and they may focus on her stream more than someone else's because they feel that connection with her, even mm-hmm. though they may not have ever met her, they've never gone on one of those trips. If they like the same things that she likes off the clock, then perhaps they'll be more apt to listen to her on professional the on the clock. Cool. I, I want to switch just a little bit because, I mean, we've talked a lot about, you know, kind of your blog and how you build content there and Twitter. But there's also Facebook, which I think has a very different rhythm. Yeah, Facebook Facebook is, is a mystery to a lot of business owners. It was certainly a mystery to me for a long time um, because that's definitely the place that nobody wants to see your gross picture. They want to see <laughs> things that make them happy because I think most people go on Facebook on their downtime. They're not going there during business. They're going there on their break. And, you know... Um, we do get a lot of questions submitted to us through Facebook that end up being medical things that end up turning into clients. But for the most part, I'll put a blog out there about a medical issue that'll get two or three people reading it, and then I'll put a picture on there that gets 65 people that love it and share it with all their friends. Um, you know, it, it, the, the, the mix still has to happen. You can't just be a business and put out fluff all day long. Um, or you'll never have anyone convert to calling you and asking to do business with you. You do have to sort of mix it up a little bit. But there's definitely a permission 
involved in Facebook. You know, I choose to follow Leo's pet care because they give me cute pictures. And then, yes, I will tolerate your blogs, and yes, I'll tolerate your professional discussion for a little bit, as long as you keep giving me cute pictures. Um, we had a question from uh, M. Frisch on, uh, through our chat. Um, with so many people and companies that are now using Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and email marketing campaigns, how do you break through the clutter? Um, no one can possibly read or pay attention to all the information that's coming at them nonstop. How do you think you get your comments? You know, how does your stuff get noticed? Well, because most of what I put out there is things that the people want to see. Um, I put more cute pictures on there than I put blog posts. You know, I think it's a matter of figuring out your, your balance. Um, if you if you fill someone's stream with things that they don't want to hear, then they're they're definitely not going to going to follow. Um, you know, but I've I've dumped a lot of social networks. I I don't try to advertise my business on LinkedIn. I only share with fellow professionals. Um, Twitter is it, to me is is about connecting one on one with with humans, um, and then they'll try to remember me mm -hmm. if, if they need a, a a pet issue. Facebook, I gift people. The, the pictures, the, you know, all day long. I'm looking for things that will make you smile and make you happy and make you remember why you have pets. And then if you give me permission, I will occasionally bother you with professional things. But I, I think I think you kind of hit the nail on the head there is um, you have to get people's attention by giving them things that interest them. Um, I think that you also accept there's a lot of people out there that just won't follow you, and that's okay as long as you become relevant to a smaller, engaged community. Yeah, I think you have to accept a certain number of people will stop listening to you after a while, um, especially those who are only there for one part of your message. Mm -hmm. uh, it, you know, those people are going to quickly become intolerant of, of any professional promotion or of any... Um, you know, one of the one of the interesting things about Twitter, I think, is because it happens so fast, people will accept more. They can they can ignore more things passing by because they know that you're there to promote your business. Um, most of the people that I'm connecting with on Twitter are also there to with their own goals in mm -hmm. mind, uh, and so they put out their stuff. I put out my stuff. That we, you know, we'll tolerate a higher level of professional sharing, whereas Facebook is is all. Um, you know, people who have um, their own time and they want just they just want the good stuff. They don't want they don't want you pushing your business. So I will tell you, um, we worked for a long time with an optometrist, and he would share sort of an obscure medical fact every day. And I, it wasn't really, I guess, sharing his business. Um, it was more the trivia thing. That kind of stuff people did did gravitate towards. But when he would switch to the more hardcore sales messages, you'd see that same. What's interesting about what you just said is that a lot of the sharing that I do isn't about what happens inside my building. It's about something in the periphery, you know, obscurity or, or some funny. You know, most of the pictures that I share on my Facebook page do not happen to me. Mm -hmm. They happen to someone else who also likes the things that I like or they connect with the things that I connect with. So one of the reasons, you know, I find this with veterinary practices and their and their social media, they think that it's all about them. 
not necessarily promoting their business, but did something cute happen in my building today? Did something interesting happen to me today? That's great to share that, but there's all this other information from all these other people. Uh, you, you share their stuff too. But if, you know, the, if you're in a social media business or you're in an optometry business, you share things that happen outside your building but are strongly related to your, your team. I think in general that's sort of the core of building a following is knowing who you, knowing who your audience is and um, sharing stuff that they're interested in so that they see you as an interesting person. Yep, that makes sense to me. Yeah, you certainly get permission to share your stuff, but you have to share lots of other things that, that your followers want to participate in. So we are just about out of time. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I, the time flew by. If people want to find you, they should go to. Uh, I'm at, Indiana, at Indianapolis Vet on Twitter. I am slash Leo's Pet Care on Facebook. You can email me at indianapolisvet at gmail.com. And the website is www.leospetcare.com. Awesome. If you have enjoyed today's program, if you'd like to learn more about uh, Leo's Pet Care, check out their site there. It's a wonderful clinic. But if you'd like to learn more about networking, social media marketing, please check out our blog at roundpeg.biz. This has been another episode of More Than a Few Words. Thanks for listening. <laughs>